Hello, 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 everybody. Welcome to another sweet episode of The Halt with me, Thick Teddy, and your boy Ant. How you doing, Ant? Yo, so uh, um, somebody gave me shit last time for, they said uh, my intro needs to be, I need more energy, but I don't think people understand this is just how I am. Yeah, like, I, I can try, but then I just got to be a little fake, but uh, I'm good. It's not going to be going? Ant. Yeah. No, I'm just, this is how I am all the time. Exactly. Um, my week's going good. I moved into this new place, got an office now, got a nice new chair, um, got a desk that moves up and down. Uh, yeah, we got the same desk now. Yeah, it's fucking sweet. Shout out to uh, Anthony for getting that for us. But yeah, my computer broke. Um, my cat jumped on it and it didn't work after that. So he's a little I, overweight. She just jumped on it or he jumped on it? Yeah, he like, so it was, we had to stay somewhere for like two days and it was on the ground and I heard him like jump from this like side desk and then bop and I heard him land on it and I heard it like obviously land hard and I was like, yeah. but it was that night and then the next morning woke up and um, yeah, didn't work. Wait, was it closed? Was it a laptop? Yeah, it's a laptop because I've been recording these on my laptop um, for a while now and yeah. Yeah, but is what it is. Um, so we got some news to talk about here today. Um, the wildfires over in California and the West Coast. There's even I'm in the Midwest, and there's even some uh, some haze and smoke in my skies. Well, dude, I was golfing last week with one of my buddies, and he's like, "You guys know why it's so hazy today?" And we're like, "No, it just kind of looked overcast a little bit, but like the tent was weird." He's like, oh, it's it's from the wildfires. And I'm like, how? We're on the complete opposite coast. But yeah. apparently it's true. Apparently that's, that traveled the whole way. And like we had some uh, like two or three days where the haze was real bad. Same. Like I had probably like, I think like four days where I felt like sick. Like I was literally like feeling like my nose yeah. was running. I had like my eyes hurt real bad. And then I couldn't figure out why. And then I saw all these things about the California wildfires. And um, wasn't there really bad ones a few years ago, like 2018 or something as well, where like houses burned down and full towns? Like really, really bad. It sucks because like <clears throat> I know in California, they get no rain, like basically no rain. Yeah. Um, uh, there's there's like restrictions. Like you can't, you can only like water your plants uh, with, uh, use a certain amount of water each week or I don't know if, what it is exactly, but um they they have like a huge crisis going on over there with no water so yeah dude that sucks man um yeah and then the other thing we've seen in the news is biden uh, mr joseph is talking all about electric vehicles he was putting that out on was it twitter yesterday where he was talking about electric vehicles yeah. and how he's going to release something today because we're recording this on thursday so he said he was going to release something today um we're kind of waiting to see what it is but that's big news. I mean, Biden really coming out um, behind electric vehicles. We haven't seen that, I guess, like a full um, focused campaign about electric vehicles. Like we haven't seen him really kind of put put them at the main um, topic of one of his talks. So if he goes off on them, they could they could rip in the stock market. Yeah, uh, I thought I saw something like he wanted people to, or states to pledge that they'd be like full electric or produce so many electric vehicles or something. I don't I don't know really what it was, but um. I know California came out and said they'll be all electric by like 2030 or something. Damn. Which is yeah. which is crazy to think about, but 
Yeah, I saw also Ford came out and said that they're going to have like a 40% electric fleet by, was it, I think it was either 2023 or 2025, somewhere in that range, which that's nuts. I mean, Ford is a huge, huge auto producer in America. Like, um, yeah, yeah, I was surprised because I knew they were going to do it, but I didn't know that they were going to do it so quickly. Like that's damn quick. We we mentioned that before, like the, when the, once these big boys come out and they start producing electric, a lot of these like hit or miss ev companies will go by the wayside there's a, there's only going to be a handful that come out and have a future um but yeah that's all these big names will come out and be majority electric here soon i don't yeah. i don't know if they'll even have a choice really so yeah i agree 100 um, what are you uh what are you trading this week um so i've been trading um scalping mostly so i uh i kind of took a swing in apt the mask play um i think i bought in at 870 and then averaged down to like 835 ish um and then i sold some at 875 today for like plus five percent or something like that Mm -hmm. but i've been trading that i traded i've been scalping a ton uh monday i think my sub fund usually my sub fund gets like two or three scalps a week um and i put out four scalps that day and yeah. I've put out like two or three every day since. It's just a scalping market, man. Um, I traded OCGN today. Um, I bought in, I think, like the last three or four minutes of pre-market. And it was like, I think it was like 7.05 um, maybe was my average, 7.10. And then it ran to like 7.30 and then 7.50. Um, so that was a pretty good scalp for me. Yesterday I traded BYSI as I think everyone did. Um, that was, that was a good scalp for me. And I think that was, that was, it halted up and down multiple times. And one of the times we got it halting up, but then it dropped after it really, after it, uh, like unhalted. Um, so yeah, that was good. Uh, OCGN was good. Those four that I, that I dropped on Tuesday were really good and it's just a scalping market. How about you, man? Oh, it's, it's a big time scalping market. I know we both use Subfund, um, which is if you don't know what Subfund is, it's it's just like a DM service where we you can send mass DMs through Twitter and whatnot. But uh, I know for them, I it's been majority scalps. Like I'll put a swing list out, but I even say like, listen, I'm even on swings. If you're taking a swing position, I'm taking profits very quick. <clears throat> but uh, you just have to adapt. I know some people don't like to scalp, but or day trade, but you have to adapt to what the market's giving you. It's just, it's not a swing market whatsoever. And if you're trying to swing, you're going to get killed and you have opportunities to have better entries here soon. Okay. So today we're talking um, day trading and scalping, but first I got something that I kind of wanted to get your opinion on. I saw this, my girlfriend showed me a TikTok. Um, Oh boy. Do you think humans should eat corn, bro? Like think about this. Corn is used to make gas used to make corn syrup, um, which corn syrup is like really bad for us and in a bunch of stuff that is not good. Um, and when you eat corn, um, you see it a couple days later, completely like full, like it did not get digested or any of the nutrients broken down or anything. I, I don't know if we're supposed to eat corn. Like it's gas. It makes cars. It makes cars move. Like, yeah, that's, that's true. It is. Well, yeah. Like you said, it doesn't get digested really. Yeah. So I think, I guess it's not getting digested for a reason. So it's just like the whole thing. Like, I don't think humans are really supposed to consume dairy. Yeah, we're really not. 
a lot of people are lactose intolerant and which is basically your body rejecting dairy. So I never, dude, you, the things you find on TikTok, Yeah. Like, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe you, you're not supposed to eat corn. It tastes good. But the only thing is, dude, corn on the cob gets stuck in my teeth. Yeah. I don't like corn it's on the cob. so annoying. Okay. I got a recipe for everybody quick. Um, like just like Mexican street corn. Um, it's not a recipe. It's not mine. It's just something that I freaking love to eat. I just yeah. go and get some of that like Mexican sour cream, dump that on the corn, it's a little bit of lime, a little bit of cojita cheese, and then you put some chili powder on it. Boom, dude. It's probably one of my favorite things in the summer. I eat it like once a week in the summer. Do you like tahine? I think I'm pronouncing that right. Um, I tahine is. Yeah, I do know what it is. I can manage it, but I'm not going to like go and choose it. I'm not going to be like, this is what I want to eat. Yeah, I've had like, like I had these like mango gummies and they had tahini on it. And it, I thought it was disgusting, but yeah, like people, people swear by that. People always put like that stuff on like watermelon, cantaloupe and stuff. And like, it's okay, but like, I'm fine eating my mango without um, that stuff. Yeah. It's okay. People will, yeah. people will hate on us for saying that, but um, it's yeah. just all right. All right. So day trading and scalping, since we're kind of in a day trading market um, this August, we wanted to give you guys our thoughts on day trading, how we go about it, how we um, find our day trades that I and Ant both put out on Subfund. So I'm going to start off, give my, give my two cents, but just know that Ant is kind of more of a scalper than me. I'm kind of more swing heavy. He kind of scalps a little bit more than I do. So uh, yeah, pay attention to his part, take whatever you can from mine. But for me, uh, my scalps are all based on things that have news. So an example of that is this morning, OCGN had news saying their COVID vaccine was going to be, I think they said approved of some sort by August 15th. And all I took from that was COVID, which is getting hot right now due to the Delta variant and vaccine, which is also like, that's, that's top notch vac or top notch COVID news. Um, because that's something that's going to prevent COVID. So that, that was really hot and it was only up 6% in the pre-market. So for me, um, what I was kind of taking from that is, okay, this is something that people are going to notice. This is something that's going to spread across Twitter. This is something that people are going to post on Reddit because it's big news. And I also was looking at the chart. It was up 6% and it was bull flagging. Um, it was, it had a pennant and it was going into open. And I kind of thought there'd be new buyers as we went into open. So what I did was I kind of put in a fishing buy. Um, I think it was probably, the price was probably around 715 to 720. And I put it in, I think 705, I think was my price. And at open, it knifed down on a pullback, hit my buy, and it was nearly perfect. And then um, it started to build its way back up. It's hung around 711. I think I took a few more at 711, 710. And then we saw it push to 730. And then we saw it push to seven, I think 50. And then it got rejected. But um, that's just a, a quick example. But what I would like to like push across to you guys is um, find the news that gets to people. Find the news that moves. You don't want news that's something um, that is average. You want something that sticks out when people are reading through those bazingas. Um, or you want also the other thing you can do is look at the, uh, the gainers in pre-market because a lot of news comes out pre-market. You can look at the top gainers and find one on a pullback, that kind of thing. Um, but find the news that 
hits kind of a hot sector at the moment, which COVID is a hot sector at the moment. If something were to drop an EV PR news after Biden does whatever he's going to do with EVs, that would be considered a hot sector. If something were to drop NFT news back when TCAT and DLPN were going nuts, um, that's a hot sector that the news is going to move and people are going to spread that news for you. So find the news that's hot, find the news that maybe is on a pullback um, and the indicators I use. So I use Bollinger Bands just to determine if something is consolidating. Um, I like to kind of buy on a pullback and then a consolidation, which the Bollinger Bands helped me with that. I use VWAP just to determine kind of some, somewhere it could bounce. It can, if it's above VWAP, um, it's usually kind of a bullish sentiment, but take that for what it's worth. Um, and then usually if it comes down, sometimes it'll bounce off of VWAP. If it breaks VWAP, it's probably going to keep going down a little bit more. Um, if it's coming up towards VWAP and it breaks VWAP, it's likely to, uh, kind of have a few candles that are green afterwards. But for me, um, the most important is I use MA50, SMA20, and I think, wait, 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 no. MA50, EMA20, and EMA9. Um, I got these from Tommy Coops a while back. He told me, try these out. And before then I'd been using, I think, EMA like 12, EMA5. Um, but I've just found these to work a lot better. EMA9, EMA20, MA50. Um, and the way I do it is I kind of watch the EMA nine as the closest indicator. So if it's below it, I expect it to kind of ride beneath it. And if it's above it, I expect it to ride above it. Um, granted it doesn't work all the time. It works about 60, 70% of the time, but that's, that's a good number. And the, the EMA 20 and MA 50 are purely for bounces. So I'm looking at those as a possible place where it's going to drop. If it drops beneath the nine and then it bounces off the uh, the 20, then I know, okay, it's, it has a little bit of a bounce here. I could get two or 3% quickly. Um, if it bounces off the 50 MA, I can get another three or 4% here pretty quickly. Um, and then also you can kind of use it as a cross reference. So if the nine is crossing beneath the 20, um, then it's bearish. Otherwise, if it's, if the nine is crossing above the 20, then it's probably bullish. Um, and so that's my main strategy. I look for the pullbacks. I look for the things that have, have had a run and they're on a dip right now, but they could have momentum because it's good news. If it's a phase three news, then that's something that I'm probably going to be looking for a pullback on and something that I want to buy. Um, and then the other last thing I want to mention is timeframes. So you don't want to bet against longer timeframes. Um, so here's, here's kind of the deal with timeframes for me, five minute is kind of the master five minute is what I really focus on the most. And then if I want to kind of look at a smaller trend, um, I'll go and look at the two minutes and I don't like the one minute very much. The one minute is a little too busy for me and a little too kind of nitpicky for me, but two minute kind of gives me, um, if I see something that looks like it could be a possible, like head and shoulders or inverse head and shoulders, whatever it is on the five minute, I can go to the two minute and I can just kind of see it more clearly because there's more candles and more stuff to go by. Um, but then once I like determine something on the five minute that I think looks good, I go and check against the, the hour, the 30 minute, just to make sure I'm not betting against a huge resistance or there could be a head and shoulders, or I mean, uh, it could be bullish on the, the 30 minute or the hour. And I don't want to, I don't want to bet against that. So I check out those right before I, I set my buys. Um, 
but five minute is key for me. And one last thing, um, I suggest taking profit earlier than you think. A lot of people will tell you start taking at 10%. I think start taking at three to 5% on a scalp, maybe even earlier. I take, sometimes I take 2% and then I sell at 4% and that's all I get out of something. Um, I'm not willing to let my green trades go red. That's just how I work. If I see green, um, I'm going to let it ride until a decent two to 5% and I'm going to take my first half off. That's just how I work. Um, and I recommend that to everybody. I recommend you try that a little bit and just see those consistent gains just rack up and rack up. Um, because holding for bigger gains can get you burned half the time at least and getting burned half the time at least is not, not going to keep you, um, in this game for long. That's all I got. Yeah. Those were all great points. Um, like Teddy mentioned, I, I scalp a little bit more than he does. Um, the, the things I do, I think we talked about some of this last episode, but, uh, my, my routine is I will check pre-market movers, uh, biggest movers. I'll check what has the most volume. I'll, but I also have a list of things I like to scalp consistently. Like Jan is one of them. Jan, I scalp Jan a lot. Um, it just things that have a, a tight range and things that you get familiar with are great to scalp. Um, but if I'm not playing something I'm familiar with, I'm looking at pre-market movers, things that have volume, I'll make a list. And then once I make my list, I'll, I'll add them to a watch list. Um, so that I can just click back and forth and look at everything. But um, what I'll do is I, I rarely trade pre-market. Uh, I'll draw my, if I, if I have a demand zone on the chart, I'll draw my demand zones. And then on open, I, what I either do is I look for a flush. Um, a lot of the times I'll buy into a flush if I see uh, something that's shown me a sign of a reversal. So I'll either buy into a flush or I'm looking and placing my bids right at my demand zones. What supply and demand does, and that's what I use the scalp, is it basically gives you a roadmap of entries and exits. So supply being resistance, demand being support or where we want to we want to bid. Um, I, I tweeted something the other day. I logged 80 trades. Well, I just looked at my last 80 trades that I logged and I think 74 or 75 of them were a success using supply and demand. And by success, I mean like two, 3% at least. And the thing with demand is if you're, if you're being strict and you're buying within this demand zone, it's also showing you stop loss placement. So the demand zones are, are normally pretty small. So if your bid gets filled and then say something the, the demand zone's broken, your stop loss is only going to be a few cents under that. So it's very, very minimal risk and potential for big reward. Um, some indicators I love to use besides supply and demand. Um, I use VWAP, obviously, Bollinger Bands I love. I love Stochastics. I, love, I like MACD, but Stochastics and MACD in unison are super strong. Um, I use VPVR. I use the 9EMA um, and that's about it. I don't want to overcrowd my chart. Supply and demand to me is the most important thing. You could essentially trade with just supply and demand if you, if you really wanted to without any other indicators. Um, so that's what I'll do. The highest times of volatility are right at open till about 1030. And then from 1030 till about, I don't know, two, 
maybe. Um, very low volume, especially we're in August now. So if the, you, you'll see charts break down midday and then there, that's it. You, you forget yeah, about don't move much. No, not at all. But the best times to scalp are right at open from about 9.30 to 10.30 and then power hour. Um, lunch is great to look for entries, but but I, I rarely will trade during lunch. I'll just look for entries, see if something hits my demand and then bid. Um, the time frames I'm using, I swear by the five minute, the one minute, I see people wanting to use the one minute. The one minute is just a bunch of noise within the five minute chart. The candles are just a bunch of noise within the five minute candles. Um, sometimes I'll use the four hour just to compare, but I'll give you an example and I'll throw this up actually on the screen so everyone can see this. If you're watching on YouTube, BTBT, I've been scalping this for two weeks and all the previous demand zones have held true. So a demand zone from last week is still holding true this week, the next week as a demand zone. We saw earlier in the week, there's one demand zone. It hit from the week prior and ran about three bucks. So you, you want to keep these zones on your chart, extend them from the previous week to the week over if you're trading it and bid those demand zones. Um, supply, sometimes once supply is broken, you can that is then turn into demand. Um, but yeah, that's what I'm looking for. I don't want to uh, make this too long, but uh, supply and demand is extremely important. You can use, people even use supply and demand to swing, but if we're if we're talking scalping, that's that's what I do. Um, and I, I I almost never will hold overnight something. Um, I love to be in my scalp account. I love to be all cash because you never know what the next day is going to bring. So, yeah, no, I agree. Um, I need to get on and talk some more supply demand with you, and we need to do a podcast about it because I yeah. know um, Brady uses supply and demand a ton. And I know a lot of traders who use it and love it. And I kind of want to get more into it because um, supply and demand, like people, people tout about it. People say how it works perfectly. And I've yeah. done some and I've looked at some and I understand it, but I don't quite know the ins and the outs of it yet. So I need to kind of just learn a little bit more about it. Yeah. We could get into like pivots, how to look for pivot points, um, which yeah. is super important consecutive candles uh we should we could get into bullish candle formations i tweeted something the one day is like if you're scalping right literally draw these bullish candles or bearish candle formations and put them on sticky notes on your monitor or whatever you're trading and and as you as time goes on you'll get more comfortable and you'll just spot them on a chart you won't even need your cheat sheet but they're yeah. like a like a bullish hammer extremely mm -hmm. important to learn stuff like that um yeah like a Harame, yeah, we should definitely kind of do stuff um, yeah, we'll definitely do an episode on that. Yeah, we got, I mean, season two is going to be some some deeper level stuff. We're going to go into forms. We're yeah. going to go into that kind of stuff. So uh, keep kind of, keep your eye on it. We're going to be wrapping up season one here in the next probably month or two. And then season two will be probably, we'll take a few week break. Season two will begin. Um, we'll bring on some of the same guests, but uh, yeah, we're excited. Um we're going to hop into yeah. the UFC section today. And if you're a person who's not into the UFC section, um, probably about 10 minutes, you can skip ahead. But um, it's a good card this week, man. Uh, Gone yeah, and really Lewis. Lewis is a freaking animal who somehow wins like all the fights he shouldn't. Um, He's got to touch we, you one time. 
Yeah, man, that uppercut that he landed on Curtis Blades, that was yeah. a thing of beauty. We got a guy on uh, on Twitter. His name is Boot, and he's kind of a homie. He talks a lot of UFC. Um, he wants to know if we think Kamara Usman, anyone in the UFC, can beat Kamara Usman. Um, and so for me, I think the only person in the welterweight division who can is Leon Edwards. I think Leon Edwards could make it an absolutely boring fight and kind of because he has a decent he has decent takedown defense. I think he could he could outland him on the feet, um, but it would be a really boring fight. It would be basically just a point kickboxing fight to win. I think he can do it. Um, He has the skill set to do it, but I just I I don't know if I it would be a really really close fight. And other than that, man, I don't think there's anyone in the welterweight division that can do it. And I don't think there's anyone who could come up from 155 and do it either. Um, no, nobody at 155. Yeah, Gilbert Burns is the no. only other name that comes to mind. Just because that's who I was going to say. Yeah, just because Usman didn't want to grapple with him. They were training partners before, so I think Usman knows he can't grapple with Burns. Burns' submissions are next fucking level, man. Um, and Burns stung him on the feet, but he gassed out. I was going to say Burns just because, I don't know, uh, Burns starched him the first fight and, and almost should have finished him. Uh, and Burns' performance against Thompson was good. Yeah. I was going to say Colby Covington, who he's fighting next, because Usman is going to do what everyone says he's not going to do. So if they're going to say, oh, you're just going to grapple a striker, he's going to go and be like, watch this and strike with a striker. Um, I think Covington's tough. I don't like Covington at all, but I think that's a tough matchup for him. Um, But other than that, I'd say, yeah, probably Burns to me is, and I think they'll fight again. Yeah. My my knock on Colby is when Colby and Usman fought the first time, Colby's striking or not Colby's Usman's striking was not where it is now. And yeah. I don't think either of them will have a lot of success taking the other one down. Um because they're like they're both really high level wrestlers. And I think it'll it kind of evens out. And I think Usman's striking has gotten leaps and bounds better than it was when he fought oh, yeah. Colby the first time. So I think he's probably going to start him within like three or four this time. Um, I've learned to just never bet against Usman. So he's an animal, bro. Yeah. Um, all right. So the card this weekend, um, I'm going to go over the fights that kind of, I know, and I know I have an opinion on, and if there's any other ones that you want to talk about, then you can kind of hop in. But the first one that I actually think is going to be a banger is Manal Cape and Ode Osborne. Um, who do you got in this one? You said Cape and Osborne? Yeah. I've I've seen Osborne fight. I don't know if I've seen Cape fight. Um, I think Cape dropped a few to really, really high-level opponents. Well, not really high-level, but higher-level. And then Osborne um, just knocked someone out in the first round. But Cape is like a, a rising star that the UFC brought over because they thought he could be like Yuri Prokacheza or um, yeah, I'm yeah. going with Cape here. I think, I think Cape he's got, he's, he's shorter man in the arm length, but I think he's too technical of a striker for Osborne. Isn't Cape, is he Brazilian? 
No, I don't know what he is. I think I might have seen him fight. Um, Cape's the big uh, favorite. I think he's minus 300. Um, yeah, I'd probably take I'd probably take Cape. Yeah. Uh, just because if he's that heavy of a favorite and I'm really not that familiar with him. Oh, he's fighting out of Thailand? Yeah, I think he fights. Um, yeah. I think he's at the, the Muay Thai gym there. Um, yeah. All right, we got Carolina. I don't know how to say her last name. Cole Kavich. Cole Kovich. Cole Walkavich. Um, yeah, that's a... <laughs> that's a fucking name. Um, <laughs> versus Jessica Penne. Um, for me, this is kind of a tough matchup because Caroline, Carolina... Oh my gosh, I can't speak now. She put me in a tongue twister. Um, she's been on a four-fight skid... And Penne should be on a four-fight skid, but she got gifted one last time. I just think Carolina's a better fighter. Like, I think she's just more technical, but she also um, she struggled with her mental health recently. So it's kind of like, is she fully here for this fight, or is she coming back for money? We don't really know. So I'm going to have $0 near this fight, but if I had to, I'd put it with Carolina. I was going to say, I think this is like her last chance in the UFC, honestly. Um, yeah. Carolina. I saw her last fight. I saw Penny's last fight too. And like you said, she got gifted that. But uh, uh yeah, I'd have to pick Carolina just because backs against the wall, you know this is basically your last shot in the UFC. So yeah. and it's a big card to be on. And if I heard right, she's been training with Joanna Young J Check. So yeah. Joanna's a killer. Alonzo Menafield versus Ed Herman. What are you thinking? Um I don't know. I was looking at the card before and this one's tough to me. I like, I like Herman. He's just, he's a vet. He's, I think he's 40 something years old now. I've seen him fight a bunch of times. He's tough. I don't know much about the other guy. Um, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Um, for me, so Alonzo Menafield kind of got rushed. I think he, so he knocked out Paul Craig, which that's a pretty damn good win. Um, It aged really well. And then he got beat by OSP. um, And I think he lost another one in there, but he kind of got rushed with the OSP fight. I think like OSPs, he's really crafty. Um, And so now they kind of, they're giving him, he came back and I think he knocked someone out in one minute and now they're giving him Ed Herman. That's what happened. Okay. Sharant. Yeah. So Ed Herman to me is like a really, really scrappy, um, kind of matt from vola like like he's like and i guess they both have red hair maybe that's the only reason why i'm thinking that um yeah. but ed herman's really scrappy he should have lost to mike rodriguez but somehow that debacle was what that debacle was but i think ed herman at 40 years old is not gonna be able to take the uh the strength of alonzo metafield and i think alonzo metafield is kind of evolving to be able to manage his cardio a little better Although if this goes into yeah. late second, early third, I could see Herman choking them out. But like Herman is a very live dog here. I think he's pretty good money too. I think he's like plus 200 or plus 220. So he's very, very live at plus 220 with decent value there. But um, I just think Menafield's going to land a big shot and knock his lights out. Herman has like three, four times the experience as well. He has like 40 some fights. Uh, the other dude has 12 so yeah take for it what it is um yeah 
This okay. This next fight is probably my favorite on the card, or one of my favorite. Bobby Green and Rafael Fiziev. And for me, um, Fiziev is one of the best strikers I think in the UFC. Um, he's kind of one of an up. He's an up and comer. Uh, he he's a, actually an instructor at the Thailand um, Muay Thai gym, which everyone knows that. I think it's Tiger Muay Thai is where people go to reinvent their striking. That's where. Um, Oh, geez. His name is slipping my head. The guy who fought Eric Anders and destroyed Eric Anders. Um, Roundtree. Khalil Roundtree went, yeah. and now all of a sudden, Khalil Roundtree has, like, leg kicks from hell. Like, that's where people just go to get snappy kicks and snappy striking. And he's the definition of that. He's got snappy striking. I think he's going to beat the brakes off of Bobby Green, and he might finish him, but it would surprise me. Bobby Green is tough. I don't think he finishes him, but um, with his hands, he could. I think this is going to be like one of the best fights on the card. Both these guys are just going to stand there and bang with each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. If that's how you, how you pronounce his name, his striking is very, very good. Um, again, though, he doesn't have as much experience as Bobby Green. I think he's like 26, 27. Um, I think he's yeah, one he's loss. Yeah. But I think those two are just going to meet in the middle and just bang. Um, but I have Fiziev. I hope that Bobby Green tries to take him down, bro. Like, I just hope Bobby Green tries to – so we can see that. That's how I was feeling. Um, I don't remember. There was another prospect a while ago that I just wanted to see taken down. Um, But, yeah, I want to see Bobby Green take some shots on him and see if Fiziev can can grapple. Because Bobby Green's savvy. He's a vet. He knows what he's doing. All right. Song Yadong versus Casey Kenny. Um, For me here, I'm going Casey Kenny. I think Casey Kenny, he'll be able to mix in a few takedowns, maybe just pose the threat. He doesn't even have to get him down. Pose the threat, jab and kick um, at range with Song Yudong, and I think he's going to be able to outpace him. Song Yudong, his cardio has been a little suspect and is like, I want to say a few fights ago, there were two or three fights stretch where his cardio was a little suspect. And then last fight, I think he fought Kyler Phillips. He... um, he came on towards the end, but it wasn't like something that I think is going to be able to beat Casey Kenny. Casey Kenny has a good gas tank. He can mix in the grappling, which can make Song Yudong very tired. He can mix in the clinch, which will also make him very tired. And I think he's just going to kind of control the fight. He, uh, he lost to Dom last fight too. So he's looking to bounce back. Um, yep. That was a fight. He was, I thought was supposed to win. Um, and, uh, but no, I have Kenny, he is a good grappler and he's trying to bounce back from a loss to Cruz. So, yeah. And I mean, Yadong, he's like one of the UFC's kind of prized possessions at Bantamweight. They kind of have wanted him to be successful yeah. for a little while here. But I think, how old is he? Let me check it out. He's 23 right now. And I think he needs. He's in like that Max Holloway stage where he's going to take some losses here and there. He should have lost to, uh, Cheeto Vera. And I also think he should have lost to uh, Cody Stamen. And Cody Stamen and Casey Kenny fight similar. They're not exactly the same. Cody Stamen's more wrestling oriented, but um, I think they have a similar kind of gas tank, like push you up against the cage and make you tired, kind of, um, I guess, style. Yeah. We got Michael Chiesa versus Vincente Luque. Who are you taking? 
I think we mentioned this last time. I like both fighters. I was supposed to see Kiesa fight on the, the McGregor, or not the McGregor, the Khabib card a few years back when he was supposed to fight Ferguson. Yeah. Um, I have Luke. I think you have, I think you're going to go opposite of me, but I like Luke. I like his, he's tough. I, he'll stand in there and bang with anybody, and his striking's really good. I remember uh, watching him on The Ultimate Fighter. I'm almost positive he was on the same season as. It was like Usman, Ryan Hall, Vicente Luque. They were all in the same season. Yeah. Hater Hassan. Um, but yeah, I have Luque. That's yeah. what I got. I got Kiesa um, for a few reasons. One, we've seen Luque get controlled on the ground before. Um, granted, he's yeah. he's I think he's a black belt, BJJ, and he trains with Gilbert Burns. So he's not he's not a fish out of water down there. Like he's gonna be fine. He choked out Tyron Woodley. Um what did he do to Tyron with it? Did he choke him? I think he, I don't remember, but um, I think Kiesa is going to be able to get him down and just hold on to him, like blanket him, like a weighted blanket. Like, I think he's just going to be able to flow with him. And I think Kiesa is a lot tougher than people give him credit for. He is scrappy. Like the man, um, I remember, I think he was on the ultimate fighter back then. He had long, long hair, um, yeah. He was scrappier than shit, bro. And I think Luke also, I don't like him in big spots like this. Like this is a fight where Chiesa is moving towards like title, title contention. Like he's moving towards this fight and maybe one more big one and then getting a title shot. But I don't like Luke as much in those spots. I don't really feel like he is able to capitalize. Like he, he beat Woodley, but Woodley, um, it's Woodley now. He's he's not Woodley. He's what is he? Tyrone, um, soft Woodley. Like I don't know what he is, but he's not a boxer old. now. Yeah, he's not an old. He's not the old Woodley. The old Woodley would have knocked people's brakes off and came forward and threw combos. I don't know what he's doing now, but um, yeah, yeah. I'm taking Kiesa to control him for three rounds, just blanket him in a really really boring decision that people are gonna hate on Kiesa for, but I think he's gonna do it. All right, co-main, Jose Aldo, Pedro Munoz, who do you got? I can't believe Jose Aldo's still fighting, honestly. When he cuts this much weight, he looks sick. Um, Yeah. Is that – what fight on the card is this? This is the co-main. Is it? Um, Yeah. I don't know. I I, want to take uh, Munoz, but – I'm a, I'm actually a fan of Aldo, so I'm gonna roll with Aldo. But I don't I don't know how many more fights he has left in him. I mean, yeah. he's he's chasing the belt here. If he hits any roadblocks, or I think that's it for him. Yeah, I'm going to. This one is tough for me. I kind of see yeah. I see the the Pedro Munoz side that he has heavy hands. He can go five rounds, and. He's getting better at his boxing. His boxing's been good, but he's getting better. But I think Jose Aldo is going to be able to just dance and Jose Aldo him for at least two of the yeah. rounds. It'll be tight. I think it's really going to be tight. Um, I think Aldo kind of gets tired in the third now, though. He's cutting a lot of weight. He's getting older. I think the third is going to be rough, and I could see Munoz absolutely obliterating him in the third and getting a finish. Yeah. Um I could also see Munoz obliterating him in the first and getting a finish, but I think Aldo is going to be good enough in the first and second, 
And then I think he can coast the third. That's nothing that I will ever bet on thinking that someone can coast through the third um, and eke out two other rounds. So I don't, I don't feel confident about it, but I think Aldo can do it. I think he's going to um, probably by decision and yeah, I'll be happy for him. He's a, he's kind of been a legend that people have forgotten is a legend. This is kind of his last ride, I think. Um, I agree. Like I said, I think any any setback, and he's probably done. I, I saw an interview with him the other day. He was like, it was so weird. He was like praising McGregor. He's like, oh, I think he'll be the champ again. He's got the championship or champion mentality, all this stuff. I'm like, that's so weird to me that they, and I've seen like McGregor like uh, say good things about him recently as well, Aldo. So it's weird yeah. that like they hated each other so much and now are kind of like buddies. Buddy enough. Yeah, I think this is his last ride. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, he's looked good his last fights. Like I thought he beat Marais when he didn't get the nod. Um, he looked okay against Jan for yeah. a few rounds. Um, and then just got years taken off his life with that ground and pound. But um, yeah, he's looked good. I think Pedro Munoz is kind of been propelled by beating the shit out of Cody Garbrandt, and I think Aldo can do exactly what Frankie Edgar did. But yeah. It's time for that main event of the evening. Derek Lewis, Serial Gone. Derek Lewis, the guy who wins fights he never should. And Serial Gone, the guy who moves like a middleweight and has very boring decisions that fans hate, but is kind of a technician. What do you think? Yeah, I if like if we're going off who I think's gonna win, I think Gone's gonna win. If we're going off who I want to win, I obviously obviously want Derek Lewis to win. I think yeah. I need to see him in Ngano fight again. Um, but I don't know. He's gone, uh, doesn't get hit, and he, he lands shots on people. So I saw something like his miss percentage is like best in the division or something. Um, yeah. Avoiding big shots. So I don't know, though. It only takes one shot by Derek Lewis. Also, it doesn't help that this is a five-round fight. Yeah. Uh, Lewis has two rounds after that. I mean, we've seen the majority of his three round fights. He's, if he makes it to the third round, he's gassed. So, yeah, I think, um, I think gone is going to be champ. I think he's going to beat Lewis here. And then, well, this is for interim, but I think he's going to beat this Lewis here. Interim and then I think he beats Nganu. But I mean, I feel like if he beats Lewis, he has the blueprint to beat Nganu too, and I think he does have it to beat Lewis. The thing is, is last fight, he kind of got touched by Alexander Volkov um, yep. enough. And if Lewis lands, like Volkov had a few combos that I saw, and I was like, wow, that was, that was, that was a good combo. And if Lewis lands a good combo, all it takes is the first one. Like he doesn't have to land a combo. Um, so we're going to see, uh, maybe he'll get chin checked and maybe his chin will hold up. He only has nine MMA fights. He has a lot of kickboxing before that, but maybe his chin has been tested in the gym and we don't know about it. I haven't seen his chin tested all that much, so I'm excited to see it, but my money I think is going to be on serial gone inside the distance. Cause I think, I think Lewis is going to gas hard come the third or fourth. I think Lewis will preserve for two rounds, but his gas tank is literally like, like it's not, it, it's max capacity is really low. He doesn't do like yeah. anything. And then he throws like three combos and he's freaking tired as shit. I'm not sure what it is, but the dude, yeah, it's but all also, that Popeyes, he said <laughs> he can also like, 
be gassed and knock you out. Like he, it doesn't matter. Like this man is just nuts. He can yeah. throw a flying knee and I think he has a jump kick knockout. Like I think he has a switch jump kick knockout <laughs> from when he was like gassed out. So he can do it. He can do yeah. whatever he wants to do, but I'm taking gone. Gone's some, yeah, he's definitely the more technical fighter. He knows what he needs to do too. He's, he knows he needs to get it past two rounds. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I, if I was putting money on it, I'd put money on gone but I want Derek Lewis to win like pretty bad. Yeah. So, all right. Um, I think we're going to hop into bullish versus bullshit, but first, what are you drinking? Cause I don't think we went over this. Oh yeah. So I went the non-alcoholic route today. Um, I wanted to give some, some kind of kudos to the people who don't drink. I got this Zevia yeah. um, and it's cherry cola and it tastes like cherry Coke kind of. Like it's pretty good. Um, I don't know. I would recommend it. I'd yeah. recommend trying them if you're kind of trying to go low sugar or don't want artificial sweeteners. Um, Cause yeah. it's pretty good. What do you got? I have, I think you saw this on Twitter. It's a chocolate and peanut butter IPA. Dude, that looks it's from, good. It's rusty rail. It's this brewery about an hour from me, dude. And it's like an old train yard like a gigantic building it's all brick it's like a beautiful building and they serve like really good food and have like i got i got one the other day it was like um like a a coffee infused which was really good this one's chocolate peanut butter and it's really good but that uh, sounds good as hell i've been liking like the ipas recently the ones that don't have a horrible aftertaste Um, like the not hoppy ones yeah this one's really really good I know that you had a smoothie IPA last week and I tried a smoothie IPA that was, um, yeah, that one I tried. It was, it was banana, strawberry, strawberry, banana at a brewery, man. It was, it was smooth. It was kind of thick. Oh, it was so good. Um, the thing with those dude is you got to make sure they're cold though. mm -hmm. Like you have that you have to drink them cold or else they taste horrible. Yeah, that's dude. IPAs warm taste like a skunk butt. Like, yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. that's all really, it is. No, they do. Yeah. Um. All right. I think we're gonna hop into bullish versus bullshit, and I think the first one, which has been hot this week for a couple different reasons, is Robin Hood. Ooh, the hood. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on the stock, and what are your thoughts on the company? Okay, I'm gonna pull up the chart real quick on my phone just so I can yep. look at it. Um, the company, I think, I'm not bullish on long term. Um, yeah, let's check out this chart. Hood, show me the hood. Um, oh yeah, there's not much to look at at the chart. I just realized I forgot it IPO'd <laughs> like last week yeah. or something or this week. Um, so. Actually, the chart looks pretty good. I'm on the hourly chart, and it looks like it's just like penning up or, yeah. or flagging. Um, so the chart looks pretty good, honestly, here at 60. Um, it starts to look like it's basing out here. For the short term, maybe you get a pop for, for 5 or 10%. But long term, um, at these prices, I'm, not, I'm, I'm feeling bullshit at this price. At $60, um, I do not like it. I think it didn't it IPO at like 35 or 38, somewhere in that range. Um, yeah. And then 
instantly dropped like yeah 10 bucks i dude you know what i think happened so i think i think this is a lot of retailers were planning to short it right i think um the hedges did what retailers did to them on gme they squeezed them i think they did i legitimately think that or the hedges were like okay we see all this on like wall street best and stuff we're gonna squeeze them and then they did they squeezed the shit out of those shorts um, cause I think wall street bets had like a thing going to short Robin hood because Robin hood messed everyone up during the GME. That's kind of why yeah. I think long-term it's not a good investment because first off there's way better platforms and second off, um, they've done some of that shady stuff. What do you think? Um, so I'll do what I think of them as a company first. I think Vlad or whatever his name is, is a scumbag, honestly. Um, some of the shit he's done. And then I saw he like dumped hundreds of millions worth of shares uh right before like, it popped soon- bro <laughs> yeah like like as soon as it ipo'd um and then there was something on robin hood that your account would be like restricted if you were flipping ipos did you see that no there was like a people on robin hood were getting like a an error message that if you were like selling ipos within the first 30 days of or something of them ipo ipoing your account would be restricted what it- yeah, dude, it was like a new thing they implemented right when their their stock IPO'd. I'm like, how criminal is that, dude? Um, they've just done so much shit like that. Yeah, if you're trading on Robinhood, please, please. I know the platform looks good. I know the the mobile platform, the UI is great, but please, you need to get off of it. Please, agreed, hundred percent. Like, get off Robinhood. Go to Weeble, TD, whatever you prefer. But, There's uh, a podcast called The Halt that has a full episode on platforms that maybe you should go watch. Yes, definitely check that out. But if we're looking at the chart, I don't know. If I'm... I think we probably get this under 50. Uh, but this isn't something I would put money into. So bullshit on the company and... And I think we could get this, you could get this at a better price. So I'd say bullshit on this until I, I would personally wait till under 50. Um, yeah. The next one we have is AMD, which has been okay. hot. Yeah. Um, hot. I think I, I had AMD at $91 a while back as a swing. And then I sold for like 10% or something like that when it popped. Yeah. But the hourly chart, if you like cut off the last like, five hours or like maybe even like 10 hours it looks fantastic bro the hourly chart is literally just stairs um yeah just flag and then pop flag pop flag pop flag pop i think it did it like five times but now we have reversed from that staircase um so i'm bearish for the short term i think the company's fantastic uh they do good stuff there's a shortage of chips right now um but they're going to be, I'm pr- they're probably going to be, um, what, what am I trying to say? They're probably going to be like, oh my goodness, finishing that shortage or what am I, I'm trying to say they're going to be getting the products they need to yeah. end that shortage here soon. Um, but the chart looks bearish to me. It looks like it's going to form a head and shoulders on the hourly. It just looks like it's starting to base out where that last flag was. So I think it's probably going to have a few legs down, but once you get under a hundred bucks, once you get it under 98, about $98, um, I think it's a buy long-term 
And it's probably going to have a few pops here and there, but then it's going to continue this uptrend it's on because the chips they have are not, we're not going to find them other places. The chips they have are top of the line and we're going to need them. So for short term, I am bearish for long term. I am bullish. Short term based off the chart. I am definitely bearish. Um, a hundred dollars is going to be a key level. It's obviously a big time psych level. Um, if a hundred dollars breaks, I think we probably see low nineties, but I think long-term, this is a great investment. Um, CPUs, GPUs, everything they're making, that's not going anywhere. Um, so I'd say bullish long-term, but I would, I, I would not be buying this above a hundred bucks. I think close to a hundred, if not, if hundred, hundred dollars doesn't hold, I think we see low nineties. And then I'm very bullish on this. This is a great investment. Like tuck this away, look at it in five years. Um, it'll be double, triple what it is now. So hundred percent overall, I'd say bullish on this. Um, our last one, MVIS. Yeah. So I did a bit of research, um, on MVIS and I'm like smack dab in the middle on this one um, because I know they have partnership with Microsoft and I know that their partnership with Microsoft, they're um, doing something with the Xbox. And then they're also doing something with like LIDAR, LIDAR. Um, I don't know how to say it. LIDAR, yeah. Yeah, they're doing that. And that can be used in automobiles and like electric vehicles in the future um, and autonomous vehicles yeah. in the future. So I think I am, I'm like right in the middle. I got it. Okay. So I like all that stuff. All that stuff is fantastic to me, but I don't like the price. I don't like what I'm paying for it right now. Um, give me a few months to kind of put together more DD and I might like it at this price, but at this price right now and put the numbers they're putting up right now, it doesn't feel like it's worth it. It doesn't feel like um, their tech is where it needs to be for me to believe in the company at these levels. I get that they have Microsoft and I get that they have other things that are going to be used in autonomous vehicles, but I'm not calling bullshit and I'm not calling bullish. I'm calling, put it on my watch list and check it out and watch it for a month or two and then decide if I want to go long because the company itself and the products they have and the products they say they're going to have are fantastic. And I love hundred um, percent. I just don't know if this price tag is right. I don't know if this market cap is too high or if it still has a lot of room to go. So I need to kind of just observe for a few months, I guess. Um, something that I want to sit on the sidelines and just see. It reminds me of something similar like LKCO, where LKCO, I feel like we're getting in very, very much base level um, because they have autonomous driving. They have these kinds of tech advancements and they have a Microsoft, Microsoft partnership and Ford partnership. So like they have the partnerships to go with it. They both remind me of each other, but LKCO, we're, our market cap is so much lower. Um, and I think they even have more revenue than MVIS does. But MVIS, I want to see some numbers. I want to see some growth. I want to see kind of just how the chart reacts, how the market reacts to it, and then I'll decide. So I'm, I'm smack in the middle. I'm, I can't make a decision. Uh, MVIS, if I'm looking at the chart, the chart to me actually looks pretty bullish. We got a nice uh, descending wedge here. Uh, I think it's touched five or six times. More times a, a something touches in a, a bullish formation, the more bullish it becomes. Um, so yeah, I like this. If this continues to consolidate in like the low twelves, I think this could pop pretty hard. Um, but if I'm thinking long term, 
I think this is a great investment. Uh, LiDAR is pretty important for the future. Um, if they have the partnerships, that's great. Uh, I would say bullish long-term. I'd say even bullish short-term based on the the chart right now. So I am, yeah, I'm actually pretty bullish on this, uh, both short-term and long-term, to be honest, just looking at this here now. So Sweet. Awesome. So, I mean, I like it too. I just need to watch it for a little bit. Um, we kind of yeah. wanted to talk to everyone about our tattoos because I know we said we were going to do it a few episodes ago, but I got a few questions for you. So I'm going to do like your favorite, the most so, meaningful, your first, that kind of stuff. Um, so what is your favorite tattoo that you have? My favorite tattoo has got to be my knee, I think. Um, Let's see it. Yeah, that's pretty fucking sweet. Might be hard to see. Uh, Damn. I can see it pretty well. That shit is sick. It's just it's just like it doesn't really mean anything to me. It's just um I was like, damn, I don't see a lot of people with their knee done. Like, I want to get my knee done. And I'm like, I know it's gonna hurt because the bone and whatnot. Um so I, I talked to my artist. I'm like, hey, can you just sketch something up? Like literally whatever you like come up with. And if I like it, I'll get it. Like it, I just want something that's going to look good. And yeah. uh, he sketched something up. And then I went in like two weeks later and I got it done. But dude, the knee, you know, you got the snake on the side of your knee. Yeah. The kneecap, the kneecap itself. So when I was getting it done right under the kneecap, you know, when like you're at the doctor and they like hit you with the hammer to see your Mm -hmm. reflexes. My artist is like, listen, dude, like I'm going to have to pin your leg down when I get to this because it's going to hit all the nerves and your legs going to like do the motion of kicking. And I'm like, okay. So we get to that, to that part and he's doing it. And it was the worst pain ever because he has my leg pinned down and like, I could feel my leg wanting to go. But he was obviously stopping it so he could tattoo it. Terrible pain. Terrible pain. I've never tapped on a tattoo. I've never been like, hey, I need to take a break ever once. And that was the closest I ever was. I'm like, I was sweating so, (laughs) so bad. My armpits get get sweaty, man. Yeah, dude. But that to me is probably my favorite. Um, I have one on my shin too that you saw. It's just like an angel sitting on a swing with like the wings. I like that, but that also hurt really bad. Um, what's your favorite? Uh, the one I got yesterday is my favorite. Just probably because I just got it, but let me pull up. I'm gonna move yeah, that's so sick. So what it is, is it's a Jesus driving an Astro van because my favorite song or one of them is um, Astro Van by Mount Joy, but it's like a kind of like an old school take on it with kind of the traditional colors and stuff. Um, yeah. But I got it yesterday from this badass tattoo guy in Des Moines. His name is Paul NYCZ. I think he calls it Paul Nice is how he calls or says it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had to literally get an appointment like a year out. Like he's booked all the way out. Um, I got another one set up. I just keep setting him up um, to finish this arm. But yeah, this is my favorite just because I love the colors and it's just That's, fucking sick. Um, I love it. What was your first? My first was you're not gonna be able to see it. it's on my like lower chest you might be able to see a little bit of it okay the words yeah it was just a quote it was i was 17 i think it was a quote from my grandfather 
about like it's like a motivational quote almost like chase your dreams whatnot um honestly if i could do it over i probably wouldn't have gotten that because i wanted to get like a whole chest piece but that's not really possible now one of my other favorites is this one you might be able to see it oh yeah i can see that one that one's sweet it's like a flail that goes all the way down my arm kind of and that's sweet yeah like that but no that that quote was that quote was my first one. I was like, oh, I just want to get a tattoo and something that means something to me. Yeah. People like get that kind of twisted. Like, oh, I have to get all my tattoos and they they all have to have meaning. I mean, yeah, that's what I yeah, noticed. But they you're don't run to. out of tattoos with meaning at some point. You, yeah, no, get something that you get something that looks good and get something that not everybody else has. Like that piece you have. How many people have that? Yeah, nobody. The, the piece nobody's on my knee. That. How many people have that? No, nobody. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So. What was your first? first? Um, fucking trees, my man. Um, I actually like that tattoo a lot. I got it. So it was five years ago, maybe six. So I got it like before. Oh, that long ago? Yeah, five years. Yeah, I was I was 17. Um, I got it before it became super popular. And I still love it to this day. I think I like, like how it looks when I wear my Rolex. And I just yeah. like it. But I wish I would have done it on the other arm so I could do this like full arm these trial of old traditional tattoos um and just have yeah. this on this arm because i've always wanted this arm to be is fully that, traditional is that tattoo like popular is that why you're saying that yeah is like that like something somebody has no like a bunch of people like got other this people tattoo. so i got it and then like i think like two years later like a bunch of dudes i went to college and a bunch of dudes fucking i noticed like started getting them and i was like what the fuck and now it's like a joke like everyone sends me memes of like that dude who has the fucking forest on their arm so i guess it's popular but um i haven't seen one someone i have not seen one as cool as mine so people can fuck off so that was your first one yep that was my first one this one it took a long time it was like eight hours but this one took seven hours um i think this one might even be bigger that one didn't hurt right this one up arms yeah nah, it didn't hurt except for like when he started to get around that surprisingly yeah, that's hurt like in yeah, here surprisingly was sensitive i didn't dude, expect it the inside of my arm so it's yeah like, like a galaxy that's sweet tattoo um shout out to ryan ashley i don't know if anybody knows who ryan ashley is she won ink master like six years ago five years Damn. ago She's really, 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 really good. But she was doing it, and my arm swelled up so bad, and it was like bleeding bad because she went in yeah. and did white when it was already swollen. And she's like, "Listen, I might need to stop." I'm like, "Please just finish because this hurts so bad." Um, yeah. But uh, yeah, where your skin sensitive, it hurts. Like where, like uh, inner arm, yeah, uh, ribs and stuff. The one that yeah. means the most to me, probably. Okay. Oh, that's that's uh, my grandfather when he was young. That's cool. And same girl did that, Ryan Ashley. But that's that probably means the most to me, honestly. I don't know um, if you have any that mean a lot to you, or honestly, not really. I mean, my Teddy Butt tattoo. Um, oh, I forgot about that. I'm not gonna show it on this, but um, you guys can search the picture on my Twitter. Um, that one means a lot to me just because 
that year kind of like opened all these doors. But other than that, these ones, I haven't really gotten a tattoo that means a ton. I plan to, I want to do a chess piece. That means a lot, uh, like a full one, but I haven't really, I haven't really done any yet. That mean, a I want to get my neck tattooed in the worst. Me too. Way. I'm going to do, I'm going to do my hand and then I'm going to do neck tat when I'm like 30 so that I don't have to worry about anything because right now it feels a little early in my life. Yeah, you just don't know until you like are are sure of what you're gonna do and like your future's somewhat secured. But uh, I know my mom would be so upset. Yeah, I know my girl and my mom would. They would just look at me like, "What the fuck are you thinking?" Oh, your girlfriend wouldn't like it. Like getting she would not like a neck tat, man. I know. Damn. I know. I think, dude, dudes that have neck tats, like that's good looking. Like I'm fully into yeah. women but like those are those are good looking neck tats and hand tats those are cool yeah yeah i can't believe she wouldn't like that i know right i'm gonna try to convince her <laughs> you're just gonna come home one day your whole neck tattooed. <laughs> it's gonna be a scorpion all the way up the side of my fucking neck <laughs> you know what i think looks not good dude is when i i hope nobody listening has something like but like just like a word like on like i feel like you have to get your whole neck done yeah you, know you got to get a neck piece if you're like gonna I get like like a, yeah 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 not your daughter's name on your neck yeah it's I like if you do a name on your neck too it looks too small and then you've also taken up that space like you'd have to get a full cover up if you wanted to add something cool but like if you're gonna do neck do neck like fucking pop that shit out do something cool do a spider do what one of those traditional like something cool just fucking use that space though yeah. i plan to do something sick i don't know what yet but yeah definitely um i think we're gonna jump into some questions that we have we like to do the the trading related and the the not so serious question um oh yeah i think our serious one for today is how did you find or develop your trading strategy yeah so a lot of trial and error, I guess, is the only right way to put this. I paper traded for a good amount of time and didn't really find anything. Um, didn't really get a lot of learning out of that, I guess, because there wasn't a lot of money on the line. Um, well, there was zero money on the line. Um, but then when I transitioned yeah. to real money, I kind of found swing trading and day trading at different times. And then I also found the strategies within those at different times, but it took me, I probably went from swing trading like sectors that I thought were going to be, be good. Like I would, I would buy electric vehicles before like Tesla. I would buy if I thought they were going to be hot a month later based on them like like not having news for a long time i would think okay well there's has to be some ev news and that didn't work for me that was one of those errors um and i also i would i then i transitioned into trading um like small caps that i thought were too cheap and that didn't work either because small caps are crap companies they're a lot of them should be cheaper than they actually are and then I transitioned to finding catalysts and that's where I've stuck for the longest time. Um, I've had years in that 
kind of catalyst realm of, of having something within the next month or two that will move the price up. And that's the, the plan that's worked for me swing trading wise. And it probably, there's probably five other strategies and game plans that I tried that didn't work before I found catalyst and realized that this is what works for me. And for day trading, um, the same exact thing, a ton of trial and error for a long time. I tried to use just volume and price action for a long time. I also tried to trade all of the top movers and that didn't work. Um, so I had to find things that had news and were on a pullback. And that's what I've kind of settled into my game plan is something that's on a pullback that's I think has juice to get volume to continue moving. And it took, yeah, it took a lot of errors. Um, but you you guys all are going to find what you need to, to find if you just stick with it. So that's kind of what happened to me. Yeah. For me, it was a lot of the same. It was when I first started, I was just following people on Twitter and listening to crazy price targets and, I've said this, I've told this story before, but the first trade I ever uh, made was this OTC stock and made like 800 bucks. And then a couple of days later, I went all in on another OTC stock and was up like 400 bucks. And then I'm like, oh shit, I made almost a thousand bucks the other day. I want to wait till I make a thousand. Then I ended up losing like $500. So it was a lot of me losing a lot of money and, and, realizing my mistakes and um and then i was like well damn i can't rely on anybody else i kept say, seeing people say oh you gotta like if you want to do this like long term you need to educate yourself so that's what i did um and i taught myself i was doing like eight hours a day of trying to teach myself and i wanted to get good at charting so i got good at charting first and then uh looked at other things but yeah it's trial and error like you got to try everything to see what works for you. Like if you want to trade bio and bio doesn't end up working for you, then try trading something else. Try trading just stuff with catalysts like Teddy does. Um, if you want to be a day trader, then learn something like supply and demand or other, like learn how to chart. Um, the, the thing is, is you got to understand that you're going to lose money that's just how it is. You're going to lose money. Game. And by losing money is the, is the best way you're going to learn. We can paper trade and you can put a hundred thousand dollars of monopoly money on a stock and get lucky. And you made 500,000 bucks. Well, that doesn't mean anything because you wouldn't do that in real life. Uh, I say this all the time, but you, you got to make sure you're not, you're not trading with money you, you need. So if you are trading with rent money, please don't do that because I promise you, you're going to lose it. And I promise you, you're going to make bad decisions. Um, Keep your job, deposit a little bit of money here and there, make some trades very small and learn from them. Uh, But yeah, it was, I had no mentor. So it was just me losing money over and over and over and writing down why I lost the money. That's key. That is key. Keeping track of why you lost your money is a hundred percent key. Yeah. Like keeping track of of uh, my losses, I'm putting them. I'm putting them on Twitter recently too. I've been um, doing loss reflections, posting them, yeah. and it's something huge. Like you guys need to do the same exact thing. If it's a trading journal, it's a trading journal. If it's a physical journal, it's a physical journal. Do what you got to do to just keep track and or, learn. Or you could use Trader Sync, which I'm now an affiliate of. 
Hell yeah. Throw your pitch out. I, I, I do use trader sync and I used it before I ever like, uh, was an affiliate with them and trader sync's great. It's super organized and the, the UI is great. So use, you could use trader sync. Um, but you need to make sure you're keeping a journal. Um, yeah, I agree. But yeah, that's how, that's how I developed my strategy. I found what worked for me, what didn't stayed away from what didn't obviously, but in the process lost a lot of money. And that's kind of why I like to do these lessons and stuff where I try to help people because if I can like be a mentor per se to people and show them like, Oh, what not to do. And I don't know, maybe, maybe I can make it easier for people, but yeah, that's how I developed my strategy. Honestly. Um, our not so serious question is if you could wear tennis shoes on your wedding day, what would they be? Oh man. Oh man. Um, there's only one right answer. So I'm going to disagree with you here. I know I'm going to, I'm going all black converse high top. God, no. What are you? Yeah, going? It has to be white vans. It has to be white vans. Classic. Slip-ons. Mm, I don't know. Or t- the, the just regular like tie version. Yeah. I have okay, both. I, can... I love, I've probably had 50 pair of white vans. Have you seen the the old vine? Damn, Daniel, back at it again yeah. with the white vans. <laughs> that takes me back to high school, bro. It's so funny. Damn, Daniel. yeah, white vans, dude. Has to be. I got it. Has to be black Converse, man. Like I'm probably gonna be wearing a black suit. I'm gonna look slick in my black Converse. I don't like black shoes. I don't know what it is that they just like look weird on my feet. I don't know. I love like, right all now. Black I'm wearing. Shoes. Oh, there they are. Yeah, there white they vans. are. The classics. I mean, yep. people are probably going to want us to say like Jays or like Air Forces or something, but those aren't those aren't really me. Those aren't my style. I'm a Converse no. kind of guy or I got these Asics I love. Um, people tell me I look like an old well, man like when Asics. I wear them, but they're sweet. Asics gel to, lights, baby. I used to resell sneakers in high school, like camp out at my mall at like midnight and wait till like 8 a.m. to the doors open and would resell shoes so i'm not gonna lie if i had to bet on you having a personality trait it would be that you like sneakers and you sold them at some point in your life (laughs) like like just knowing you you would be (laughs) (laughs) you would be right your head just sounds like you but yeah black converse for me no i'm white vans till i die i've I've had over 50 pair of them damn that's a lot of fucking pairs yeah all right it's conspiracy time, baby. Um, this week, in the conspiracy land of the Holt, we have Big Pharma. And what we're going to talk about, Big Pharma, is are they hiding shit from the American and world public? Do they possibly have, let's say, a cancer um, treatment? Or do they possibly have a HIV vaccine or treatment that they're hiding to make more money on their constant treatment? Because they constantly have to treat people with cancer. They constantly have to treat people with HIV or AIDS. Um, and are they yeah. downplaying the possible um, beneficial effects of kind of Eastern medicine, like old Indian medicine, um, old Chinese medicine, where it's kind of like herbs and more herbal treatments um what do you think because i have i have some strong opinions on this it's unfortunate to say but i honestly think that i'm sure there is treatments for certain cancers and whatever else out there but 
um uh, it's sad that everything's it's a it's a money game it's everything's about money or um another thing too to think about is like it keeps the population intact you know what i mean it's like they they don't want they don't want the the world to become overpopulated so i I really hope that's not the case but i i mean i I, it would make sense if that's a thing if there there is cures for certain things and they're withholding them from the public for for money reasons for over overpopulation reasons so i've actually thought about that before i saw something on that um so i don't know if i had to take an educated guess i'd say there there has to be probably a cure for some things that they're withholding which is sad but yeah this all started when i um traveled at some point and i saw the difference in food labels between the place i was at and america and then i went and i kind of did some more research and our like I don't know, a random, what's a random food, like sour cream or like mustard or like, I don't know, pickles or something has like three times as many ingredients and preservatives as any like other countries. Like you can check out their ketchup. Their ketchup is like tomato, sugar, water, and like one other thing or two other things. And ours has like all these big words like glyso, jiso, papo, wusarin, like random ass like things that... And it all started kind of there. And I kind of like looked into that and I was like, well, that's, that's funky. Why is America like that? And then I went down this rabbit hole and then it's just been like a rabbit hole of like Indian medicine and how people have taken it and like their cancers have um, like gone away completely and they've been cancer free for many years. And then I found so many more people saying like all this stuff and so many more and so many more, like they just had to cut out like products with all these preservatives and artificial sweeteners, like that kind of stuff and take these certain things. And I just found all this stuff and I didn't really believe it. And then I started thinking about how like money oriented a lot of companies are and big pharma was one that came to mind about them like overcharging for insulin for people who like, there's literally nothing they can do. Like they're overcharging it. It's overpriced, um, that kind of stuff. And then it, it just pushed me to start thinking like, why wouldn't they withhold a cancer vaccine or a cancer, um, drug if it's going to make them so much money because they're going to have to treat it for years and years and years. And why wouldn't they like, put out media to make Eastern medicine seem like crazy and kind of just downplay it. And then I just like, I don't know, it it rings a bell in my head of something that's like, okay, well I'm questioning this. And I also kind of am starting to believe that this, this big pharma is kind of trash and bullshit. Um, So yeah, my thoughts are like, why are, why do we have so many more ingredients in our food? Why are there so many stories of people finding alternative methods to take care of their cancer um, and just how, how have we not found something to take care of cancer or HIV or diabetes? And then add that to the amount of money that these um, pharmaceutical companies are making and the choices they make to ensure that they make more money on things. I just think that they probably are um, yeah, evil and not looking out for our population's best interest. It's, I mean, like I said, it's sad to think about that. That's probably a possibility because like everyone's had family that's been affected by something or knows somebody that's been affected by something. Like imagine if there was a cure 
Yeah. Or if there was some kind of medication that somebody could take to like prolong their life. I don't know. It's uh, it's crazy to think about. But if I had to put money on it, I would probably almost guarantee that they've found cures for certain things and just, I don't know. It's all about money. So. Yeah. I mean, the amount of money that people make treating like diabetes and HIV is absolutely astro-fucking-nomical. Like the amount of money in those businesses is nuts. And the people at the top of those businesses will stop at nothing to keep making that money. Um, so I have no doubt that there's yeah. probably been many crimes committed to keep things under under the radar and also just like keep these crappy. Um, I hate to say it, man, but I've been like buying a lot of foods that are like have less ingredients. And I've been like making that a point because I don't want to eat all this like random stuff. Yeah. And I don't know, yeah. like granted, I still eat like little Caesars pizza and shit, but like like sometimes I'm just like like three or four days a week. I'm just like not feeling like I want to be putting all that crap in my body. But I just, yeah, I think that there's just some stuff that like, there has to be some things behind the scenes that we're getting shafted about based on yeah. money. Like there's money behind it, but um, yeah, it's sad to think, think about it. It puts me in a bad mood. Don't you think it's weird how you can go to the store and buy a eight pack of cupcakes for like $1 and you want to get like fruit and vegetables and it's like absurdly priced yeah it's just man. so it's so ass backwards but that's it's so it's so living. like consumer i guess like focus like they want you to keep consuming and they want you to like have to consume things like there's no one who gets addicted to vegetables but there's people who get addicted nope. to sugar all the time like so why are the things that are addictive way cheaper why do we not have a sugar tax like mexico because they're like we're just getting more and more obese like there's so many yeah. like avenues you can talk about this on because they want you to keep buying. They just want you to keep buying all these like products yeah. and products and products that you don't need. But yep. yeah, it's fucked up. It really is. Yeah. That's uh, I don't know that, that I could talk about that conspiracy all day, but me too, man. Those are my thoughts on it. Um, I think that's all we got, right? Yeah. I mean, thank you everybody for uh, hopping on. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hope you guys got some, some day trading tips and also some, uh, some bullish versus bullshit on some good names and hope you enjoyed the conspiracy. Yeah. We, uh, we're working on a lot more guests. Some um, these last two episodes have just been us, uh, which is nice, but yeah, we definitely have more guests that'll be on. Um, I think we're going to do like, 15 or so episodes for season one and then uh like teddy said we'll take maybe a week or two break and then hop into season two but uh, we're just trying to get better with each episode so we appreciate everybody that tunes in every week and like leaves nice comments on twitter and in the comments it it, it feels good to know that people are enjoying this so that's all i got yeah much love everybody What you I'm in New York, where it be cold Look at my neck cause it's iced out I'm in the field, we going up Tell to cut all the lights out You want a problem, you better think about it Cause I come with a price now I get a go, I do not think about it I don't go with that hype style Yeah, you want a problem, little bitch I ain't involved Everything that we talk about still